Hi everyone! Welcome back to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. I'm Bryn. We're gonna start with our coffee review. Yeah, <laughs> I can't forget about that. Yeah. Should we talk about a couple things first? Yeah, actually we wanted to mention um, something that's been going on with Apple Podcast, and we're not sure exactly what it is, but um, apparently some of our listeners had mentioned to us that they're not able to find our podcast when they type it into the search bar. Like, it doesn't show up Mm -hmm. when you type in Crime Cults and Coffee. And others are not getting episode updates. So, for example, one listener could not see past episode 30. Yeah. But we figured out, as of May 19th, someone had posted online that there's, I guess, Apple Podcasts did some kind of update where... Mm -hmm. There's a glitch and it's affecting some podcasts and they're trying to. We work win. It out. Yeah. We're one of them. We're one. They're, yeah. Apparently, they're trying to work it out, but we have messaged them, telling them that like this is we are one of the podcasts. Can you please fix it now? Yeah. So, so hopefully it'll be resolved soon. Yeah, and actually let us know if you're one of the listeners that can't find it on Apple Podcasts because we want to know when the problem is actually resolved for yeah. everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's. Pretty annoying. <laughs> yeah, I don't really understand it, but whatever. Anyway, another fun thing we're doing. Anyone who watches Friends loves Friends. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. Literally everybody I've met but Carson. Carson does not know any Friends episodes. Which, I don't... That's like the first thing where me and him are not similar. I know, it blows my mind. I'm like, how... I like mentioned something... And he's like, what is that? I'm then like, again, Casey hadn't watched Friends until, until I told him to watch it. Because I've been watching yeah. it since the 90s. And yeah. I told him to watch it. <laughs> yeah, and I told him to watch it. And I'm like, Case, I promise you're going to love it. And he watched it and he's obsessed. And he's Ross. My brother is Ross. He's, I'm not <laughs> kidding. The epitome of Ross. He is straight up Ross. It's the funniest thing. When you meet him and you're like, he's Ross, you're like, oh my god. <laughs> it's Even Ross. the way... I mean, he says some of Ross's lines. He sounds and looks like like Ross. Yeah. But anyway, for Friends fans out there, it'll be way past that by the time this episode comes out, but Mm -hmm. the reunion comes out Thursday. Yeah. And our family has decided to have a Friends party this coming Monday. Monday. Money. Money. This coming Monday on Memorial Day. Yeah, we're doing a Friends party. Bryn has Friends napkins. (laughs) Plates. Games. Games, cards. <laughs> We're gonna watch it. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Mom's making friends cookies. Is she really? Yeah. Like what? Probably like pivot, the, ch- the couch. Shut the up. The turkey. Pivot. Pivot. I actually have a video of Casey moving a couch up the stairs yeah. saying pivot. <laughs> and Carson didn't notice it. Shut up, shut up, shut Maybe up. Maybe we should post it. Yeah. I was like, Carson, say shut up. He's like, shut up. I was like, no. <laughs> you ruined the whole fucking video. <laughs> so annoying. Yeah. Anything but, else? I'm trying to uh, think. I don't know. It's supposed to thunderstorm tonight. I'm excited about that. Yeah, you guys are probably going to hear it because, once again, we have the window open. We're dying. it's a fucking sauna in here. The boob sweat is real. Sorry, TMI, yeah. but, like, I am dying. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I said today at work to my coworker, I feel like jello. Perfect description. Like, not eating jello. Melting. I feel like I am jello. Ew, can you imagine, like, jello sitting out in the sun and, like, melting over? Th- yeah. I was a blob. Ew. I was a sweaty blob. Sweaty, jello-y blob. <laughs> yeah. It's so gross. gross. It's so fucking muggy. Yeah. But I'm not complaining. No, no. We I'll love take this hot weather. Any day over that fucking 30 foot snowstorm or yeah. whatever we had here. Yeah. That was ridiculous. And Timo always plans his ski trips and plans to be away during those massive snowstorms. And Bryn's like, I have to shovel my driveway. <laughs> <laughs> my arms were like dead. The one night I fell asleep at like 7 o'clock at night. <laughs> oh my god. She shoveled for I was hours. So tired. <laughs> labor oh my god the dreaded shovel Mm. i would go to work and the whole day be thinking about how i need a shovel to fucking (laughs) driveway when i get home i could just picture you like staring out a window like while it's snowing like fuck (laughs) yeah and it was every other day so i would shovel and i'd be like yes i'm caught up and then a day would pass and then i'd have to shovel again oh that's yeah. the worst. And I'm like, Timo, next time, plan your ski trips accordingly. <laughs> and he's like, I'll try to go end of March, so there's a better chance. <laughs> but let's get into our coffee review before people turn this podcast yes. off. Yes. You want to talk about who gave it to us and where it's from? Sure. So, again, this week, we are talking about a gifted coffee. Because we have so many people that love us. Oh, my God. We're so lucky. I love it. <laughs> we're blessed. 
Hashtag blessed. Yes. So this week's coffee was gifted by my friend Kate. Thank you, Kate. Kate went on a trip to Niagara Falls and brought home this coffee from a coffee shop she went to. I love people that people, like, think about us when they're away. I know. I'm like... I don't even remember to buy myself something on vacation, let alone somebody else. I know. And her ride there, her and her friend Paul listened to our podcast. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. And they were, like, texting me case suggestions. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was really cute. That's so funny. But she got the coffee from a place called Spot Coffee Company. Do you want to so talk cute. a little bit about the company? Yeah, we won't mention them? much about them because this wasn't a um, coffee sent in from the actual um, company. It was a gifted coffee. But their website, if you want to check them out, is spotcoffee.com. Um, and like she said, Kate got this um, in Niagara. But they have a bunch of locations. Um, Buffalo, New York is most of the areas that they have. And then there's some in Snyder, New York, Kenmore, New York. There's a ton of these, of these coffee shops. Yeah, they roast They're all over it. the place. They roast it in Buffalo. So that's probably why there's a bunch there. Yeah. There's a ton all over. Actually, there's one in West Seneca too. Maybe we can stop there for my bachelorette party. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. let's do it. There's our a, first stop in our coffee Our tour. first stop coffee tour on my bachelorette party. I do it. There's a ton, though, and they're all located in New York, so just look them up if you want to stop by one of their locations and try one of their coffees. Do you want to talk about the one we have? Sure. So before we move forward, their Instagram is spot.coffee.official for anyone Mm. who wants to check them out on Instagram. And the roast or blend that we have today, it's a medium roast, Mm -hmm. and it's called House. So I'm assuming it's the House house blend. blend. Yeah. Yeah. And it says, we taste milk chocolate, graham cracker, mm. and it's balanced coffee. That was probably such an obnoxious mm. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> Sorry you had to hear that. <laughs> and it's also really cute because you'll see in the picture that we post of the bag, they tell you on the bag the measurements for the brew. I love that I because love. we never know exactly what to do. And I feel like it's either way too strong or way too watered down. <laughs> Yeah, so thank you, Kate, for gifting us this coffee. Yes. Do we want to describe what it ta- what we're tasting here? Yeah. I, I'll start off with my rate while you sip because okay. I want to give this one an eight. I really like this coffee as an everyday coffee. Mm-hmm. It's something that I can drink without getting sick of. Um, I don't really necessarily taste the graham cracker. I taste more of the chocolatey hints in it. What do you taste? Same. I agree. I taste more of the chocolate. I don't taste the graham cracker, but I was going to say, when we had the bag of the beans, mm-hmm. I smelt... The graham cracker. The graham cracker. Yeah. But now I don't really taste it as mm-hmm. much. I also would give this an eight. I think it's really good, and yeah. I would not get sick of drinking this. Agreed. It's one of my favorites that we've, you know, reviewed. I really like this one. hmm It's very, um... It's like, smooth. smooth as well. It yeah. is very smooth. Yeah. And we... Not smooth. bitter. <laughs> smooth. Very smooth. Um, we like medium roast as well, as we've come to learn, and this is a medium roast, so I do like this one a lot. With the occasional dark. With the occasional spicy dark. (laughs) Throw it in there. Yeah, so that is our coffee review for today. Are we ready to get into it? Yes. All right. So grab grab your your coffee coffee and and have have a morning morning with us. All right, so today's episode was actually, again, listener requested by the one and only Julie. Julie, you're the best. She sent a TikTok again for this one. I feel like the most popular cases are being cycled through TikTok right now. Yeah. Um, and they spike interest in things. So she sends me some really good ones. Um, if this was a contest of who, of which listener sends in the most requests, Julie would be in the lead. So. I would pick Julie as my racehorse. <laughs> because she she's a fucking it. winner. She is. She's killing it. She's killing it. Step it up, people. <laughs> but no, thank you, Julie. We appreciate all your submissions, and they're so helpful. So today's case is about Lori Erica Kennedy Ruff. I'm going to start with the background. Um, it's pretty short, but you'll find out why the background is short later. So Lori was five foot ten inches. She lived in Longview, Longview, Texas, during the majority of her adult life. She was vegetarian, described as smart. She loved animals, tea, and Cuban food, which Allegedly. who doesn't? <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> I think we're only supposed to say that when it's maybe bad. 
<laughs> she allegedly liked Cuban food. Well, you'll see why I'm saying. Okay. You know why I know. I'm saying. I know. <laughs> She's, um, she was also very religious. Her father was a volunteer firefighter and her mother was a stay-at-home mom. She was, um, she also had another, like, a sister, but you'll find out where that comes into play later. Um, she also may have had ADHD, OCD, or Tourette syndrome. It's kind of not quite sure. It was never diagnosed throughout her lifetime, or yeah. at least that we know of. Her husband just mentioned she was on medication, I think, for yeah. one of, at least one of those things. Yeah. So I'm going to start off with her life in Texas. Her birthday was July 18th, 1969. In 1989, she got a Texas driver's license. She earned her GED and then enrolled in Dallas County Community College and graduated from University of Texas at Arlington with a degree in business administration. So a fun fact. I read this earlier and I was cracking up. Fun fact, in case you wanted to know, as an adult, she asked for an Easy Bake Oven on Christmas. Mm. So, I mean, who doesn't want a nice Easy Bake Oven? You can make little snackies. (laughs) Why not just use a regular oven? I know, it's true. You're a full-grown woman. Maybe a toaster oven. Maybe it was a nostalgia thing, you know? She was nostalgic. She's like, Santa, please bring me (laughs) an Easy Bake Oven, the newest edition. (laughs) But then again, she wasn't born in the 90s, so. True. She wasn't a 90s baby. (laughs) So in 2003, Lori met John Blakely, who he was actually known as Blake. Um, That's what he went by. And his last name was Ruff. So Blake Ruff. And he was from a wealthy family in Texas. And they actually met in a Bible study class at the Northwest Bible Church in Dallas, Texas. Hmm. Yeah. So a little bit about the Ruff family. They were very close-knit and described as warm and friendly. The Ruff siblings went to boarding school when they were younger, and the family were members of a country club. So, that's also where, like, their wealth comes in. They were wealthy. Yeah. They were involved in banking and real estate and were very well known around town. Blake Ruff's paternal grandparents had settled in Longview, Texas during the oil boom of the 1930s. And here's a quote from the Seattle Times. Blake earned his bachelor's degrees in economics from the University of Texas in Austin, in telecom management from DeVry, and worked on, or worked for years on commercial accounts for Verizon. And Blake actually had an identical twin named David. Something is so eerie about identical twins to me. (laughs) Like, I know a few, but like, it's just so eerie to me. There's two of you with the exact same everything. And they're like, yeah. (laughs) You're probably just thinking of The Shining, the twins from The Shining. I don't even know. (laughs) There's just something eerie about it. So, sorry for the twins that are listening. (laughs) Love you. Yeah. So, his twin, David, had originally joined the church Bible study class and met the woman he married there, and Blake was known to follow David's actions, hence the meeting of him and Lori. That's So, so weird. Yeah, so basically I read in this one article that people were like, Oh, David went here, met his wife here. We know what's going to happen next. Ew. Like, it was, like, bound to happen. Like, That's they kind so of weird. just did... Yeah, Blake, I guess, maybe idolized his twin brother or just looked up to him or just followed in his footsteps. Yeah. I don't really know, but that's how it went. <laughs> so, Blake Ruff said that Lori was very secretive about her past but told him she was from Arizona and that both of her parents died. She also told him she had an unhappy childhood, no siblings, and her father was a failed stockbroker. So basically, she was like, I have nobody, yeah. and I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Lori and Ruff eloped in January 2004 in a small church outside of Dallas after Blake's mom, Nancy, said she would put a wedding announcement in the newspaper. <laughs> That's such a mother-in-law thing to do. <laughs> No, nope, not for you, mother-in-law of mine, because I love you very much. But I feel like that's, like, a crazy mother-in-law move. Like, I'm just going to put it in the paper, so now you have to get married and yeah. have a big wedding. But then this girl's like, okay, I don't want this in the fucking paper. Let's just run away. Yeah. And, and elope. Yeah. So no one came to their elopement 
obviously. (laughs) (laughs) And the only witness was the priest that married them. Which is exactly what they wanted. So it was small and sweet, and that's that. And that's it. So after the marriage, the Ruffs moved to Leonard, Texas, which was a very small town with a population of 1900. That is teeny. Teeny tiny. Mm -hmm. Um, They bought a house on two acres of land, 125 miles from Longview, which is where the Ruff family lived. That's how far they were. So... It was a decent distance away from his family. They're like, well, gotta get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> she she wanted the fuck out. She wanted away. So Lori called herself a, quote, marketing consultant as her job, and she was actually doing something different day to day. The Seattle Times uh, referred to her as a mystery <laughs> shopper. That was her job description. A mystery shopper. Mystery shopper. So basically, jobs went from testing new products to reporting on service at a burger joint. So it was just very strange. Like, she would get products in and do a review on them. Like, then review, like, other, like, random businesses. It was just very sporadic. I wonder how she searched this to find them. I don't know. Like, early 2000s. But, like, isn't this, like, the modern day, like, influencer? You know what I mean? Kind of. Lori was an influencer. Lori pioneered influencers. (laughs) (laughs) She reviewed products. That's exactly. She was an influencer. So, basically, influencers are mystery shoppers. Yeah. There we go. Hashtag mystery. That's what they should put in their bio. That's what they should be called. Mystery shoppers. It's way more interesting. It is. Um, So... Obviously, being a mystery shopper, she worked from home from her computer. Um, they unfortunately had many miscarriages over the course of four years and mm-hmm. eventually had a daughter in 2008 after in vitro fertilization. That's really sad. Thank you, science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That's horrible. I'm glad that they were able to Finally have at a least child. one child, though. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, After having their daughter, their marriage actually took a turn. Apparently, Lori was extremely protective of her baby. She wouldn't let anybody hold her, and she would even take her baby into the bathroom with her. Yeah. It was just... I I thought that was so weird when I read that. Like... That's very... Something was in her mind. Or was it, like, postpartum? But in a different... Different way. Way where she was, like, obsessing over the child. Yeah. Uh... Or that's, or that's if she had OCD or some kind of fear, like mental delusion disorder, she, that was part of it. Yeah. It's sad. She was said to be very obsessive about tracking the Ruff's family genealogy and trying to find out things like family recipes, which like, (laughs) of all things, like, I want your family recipes. You must give them to me. I need that (laughs) pasta sauce. (laughs) Like, but, why? But the interesting thing is, is she obsessed over them in that way, but then she wouldn't let them hold in. her child yeah. or around her child. Like, if you were obsessing over this family, why wouldn't you want them to be part of, of your child's family. life? Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. That's, like, two di- completely different things. Yeah. And all during this time, she still refused to talk about her past, which I felt like that was a huge, like, deal in their marriage. Like, mm-hmm. it was probably, like, I don't know, the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, she wouldn't talk about anything. I don't know. But um, she would find reasons to complain about Blake's parents over the smallest things, And eventually, Lori cut off her in-laws from seeing the baby, and that honestly pissed them off, which any grandparent would be pissed off. She complained over the smallest things. She was probably like, your mom wouldn't give me her pasta sauce recipe. She wouldn't give me the recipe, so I've been looking it up. She had me add oregano instead of garlic. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Little things like that. And I feel like those were just excuses to, like, get them out of her life. Right. She yeah. was nitpicking. Yeah. But probably, in turn, pissing him off. Yeah. Because that's well, his family. That's his family. You can't... He can't do anything about that. Right. So, eventually, his parents encouraged him to get a divorce from her because they were like, something is going on mm-hmm. and you need to get out. They ended up going to marriage counseling classes, but they didn't work and they ended up getting the divorce, Blake moved back in with his parents in Longview and filed for divorce while Lori and her daughter still lived in Leonard, Texas. Mm. So it was like jumpstarting the whole divorce process. Yeah. 
So after divorce papers were filed, Lori started acting very erratically, if she wasn't already acting erratically. One of her neighbors said she remembered Lori and her daughter looking very undernourished, which is extremely sad. Yeah. She also said she saw Lori mumbling incoherently to herself while pacing around. And to me, when I was reading all this stuff, it sounded like much more than... OCD or Tourette's or something. It sounds like schizophrenia. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Or just, or some kind of personality disorder. Like she had delusions Mm -hmm. that were fueling her actions. I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. So she started to send harassing, I'm sorry, harassing emails to the Ruff family. And she made a huge scene at one of the exchanges of custody of their daughter she actually ended up stealing a set of house keys from the Ruff family as well, which that, is like, creepy. I know. What was she? What was she doing? I'm sure they would have given her a set if she. If, I know. And how was she? If this was after the fact of the divorce, and she wasn't really around them in the first place, how was she at their house and took keys? Custody exchange, like dropping the daughter off, maybe. That's where she took the keys, like from Blake. I think. I think. Strange. Just very strange. You know. She also may have attempted to break into Blake's parents' home. That's just so strange. Like, what was she trying to accomplish, though? I don't know. Like, trying to dig up their past? I think... What Whatever reason, it was feeding from her delusions. Mental illness, Because yeah. the only thought I would have is if her daughter were living there... That would be a reason to break in, but her daughter was with her. Yeah. So, obviously, it was something else that was going on. (sighs) Yeah, that's strange. With all of this going on, the Ruff family decided to file a cease and desist order, and this document is sent to a person or a business to stop alleged illegal activity. It also warns that if the person or business does not stop the illegal activity, they may be sued. Yeah. So, that was sent to her. Now we're moving on to, spoiler alert, Lori's death. Yeah. On December 24th, 2010, which was Christmas Eve, Lori's body was found in her car in the Ruffs driveway in Longview, Texas, and she was 42 years old at this time. She committed suicide by shooting herself in the head, which is just absolutely awful. I wonder why she did it in their driveway, though. Like... Clearly, she was struggling with something. Maybe she wanted to be away from her daughter, or I don't know. Or part of her delusions were blaming them for some reason, or like something was obviously going on mentally with her. Yeah. So, she left two suicide notes in the car. One was 11 pages addressed to, quote, my wonderful husband. Clearly, she still had love for him, too. It's really sad. Yeah. And the other one was addressed to her daughter to be opened on her 18th birthday. I have the chills right now. Like, do I wonder, I wonder if... I wonder if they opened it, though, to read it before it's given to the daughter on the 18th birthday. Because what if, what if it's just a bunch of stuff that doesn't even make sense? I know. And go ahead and say the next part, because I... You go ahead. Okay. The roughs read the letter to the husband. Mm-hmm but said it contained, quote, ramblings from a clearly disturbed person, end quote, with no details of her past. So it was just a bunch of ramble stuff stuff that didn't even make sense, but she still didn't include any details for her life before all of this. Right, and I read that same part in an article, and I wondered if it meant that they read the The letters. Yeah, like the letters. But it said the letter. I know. I don't know. I would hope so because before giving it to God her, God forbid, this child turns eighteen and goes to read the what she has left of her mom, and it's traumatizing. It's really bad. Yeah, yeah which it could have been. Yeah, she wasn't in a good mental space at that time. I feel very sorry for her. I know. I just wish they would have known what was going on. I know. So she could have gotten the proper help. Yeah. So, after she died, it kind of jump-started the investigation of her past because they still had no idea, you know, anything about her other than that she said her parents had died and she had no family. Mm -hmm. So after her funeral, some of the Ruff family went to Lori's house in Leonard, Texas to attempt to find out more about her. Apparently the house was an absolute shit show when they got there and there was piles of dirty dishes, laundry, and garbage everywhere. 
Which goes back to the mental illness side of it. Yeah, that's awful that they were living in those conditions, especially since her daughter was only, like, two she when She was this little. Happened. Yeah. yeah. There were also shredded documents and papers of random scribbles on it all over the place. Mm. A lockbox was discovered in Lori's closet, and the roughs pried it open with a screwdriver. Lori had told Blake to stay away from the box in the past, so she clearly carried this around with her, like, throughout her life, and he probably saw it one day and was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. As a husband, though, I'd be like, why can't you show me? Well, they said he was very, like, the way his personality is, he's very, if she was like, you are not to look in this or touch this, he'd be like, okay. Like, he'll go with it. He was it. very, like, submissive and, yeah, just a kind person who kind of was, didn't want to, like, ruffle any feathers. Yeah, just, like, wanted to keep the peace. Yeah. Yeah. So, when they opened the lockbox, these are what was found inside. There was paper with random things written on them, and one of, a couple of the things are, that were written on them was, quote, 402 months, and then a separate one was, quote, Ben Perkins, who was later determined to be an attorney in the area, so just keep that in mind. And then another, the other uh, note said, quote, North Hollywood Police. So strange. So, like, a bunch of these things were just written down and really didn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. There was also a birth certificate of somebody named Becky Sue Turner. IDs belonging to different people, including one from Idaho. Pages from an Arizona phone book and a judge's ruling granting a name change to Lori Erica Kennedy. So, I can't even imagine what his family... They were probably like, what the actual fuck? Who was this woman? Before she was Lori Erica Kennedy. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. And just real quick, when you search her and her case... It's, you're going to search Lori Erica Ruff, and that's obviously her married name, mm-hmm. um, but there was, we'll talk about her past a little bit more and why there's so many name changes and different things. Mm-hmm. So, Lori Erica Ruff was registered in the federal government's database of missing and un- unidentified persons as a Jane Doe, and that's when the family were like, okay, there's... She is not who she said she was. Mm -hmm. There's obviously something off. So, this started the search for her true identity. Mm. So, getting into her identities. No wonder she didn't want to talk about her past. (laughs) (laughs) One identity that we just brought up was Becky Sue Turner. Lori got her hands on a copy of Becky's birth certificate on May 20th, 1988 from Bakersfield, California. So back then, during the 80s, many counties would mail a copy to whoever asked for a birth certificate. I'm sorry. So there could be a bunch of people wandering around out there with random people's birth certificates and identities. When the fuck was that ever okay, though? I don't think... It should have ever been. But, like, what did she even write to get, like, hey, um, like, would you mind sending me this birth certificate? She's probably and like, hi, I'm, my name's Becky Sue Turner, and I lost my birth certificate. Can you mail me a copy? And they didn't even look into <laughs> when the person was born or anything? Like, ugh. No, they were know. just like, okay. Yeah. So, the real Becky was actually two years old when she died with her two sisters in a house fire outside of Seattle, Washington in 1971. So, she took this girl's identity that had died when she was two years old. But, like, my question is, how did she even know how to find this girl besides maybe a newspaper article years back? There wasn't internet and stuff to like look at. archive? This. Uh, maybe yeah. she went to the library? I don't know. I have no and idea. And what made her... How did she know to steal someone's identity like that? I don't know. I would have never thought that you could just ask for a birth certificate. Yeah. Well, it gets weirder with how she knew how to do things. Yeah. So, Becky was... The real Becky was born in one state and died in another, making it less likely for the fraud to be discovered. So, how did Lori know what she was doing? How did she know all this stuff and how to... Right. 
accurately get away with identity theft. My thought is that she's had some kind of knowledge through somebody that she met over the years or some business or something. Or she spent however long, like, researching this somehow. So, June 16th, 1988, Lori moved to Idaho and got a driver's license, sorry, as Becky Sue Turner in Boise using the birth certificate. (laughs) She claimed she was 18 years old at the time on the ID, which she was not 18. Mm Mm-hmm. So she's also lying about her age. And July 5th, 1988, she lived as Becky for several weeks and then legally changed her name to Lori Erica Kennedy. Like, what? (laughs) What? So, now we're getting into her life as Lori Kennedy. July 12th, 1988, she was then able to apply for and get a social security card under her new legal name. Because back then, you could get a social security card as a teenager. Instead of, you like, when you're just, born. Yeah, you weren't just automatically given one when you were born. Okay, thank Jesus they <laughs> figured these things out and changed them. Because this makes me so concerned that she was just, like, I don't know. I mean, we don't know much about her life. But, like, she was just this random person that, that knew, knew all these things. Yeah. Like, what if there's other people that have done this? Well, that's the thing. Like, who knows how many people are out there like yeah. that? Mom, are you really who you say you were? (laughs) Did you have a past life? (laughs) But that's the thing, too, is not only did she know she could just ask for a birth certificate, right? Yeah. She went and then got a license with it. She knew that this girl being born in one state and dying in another, would she'd be able to get away with it easier, right? And then she changed her name in a couple of weeks in order to be able to get a social security card as this new person. (laughs) But, like... And knew she had to be a teenager to do it, and she's 18. My thing is, though, is, like, wouldn't the judge who granted her the legal name change, like, look into... Like, oh, wait, you just got a new license a couple weeks ago. like, why are you changing your first and last name? Like, what is going on? Maybe you didn't need to disclose that kind of information back then. I don't know. So strange. But don't you think the judge would be like, let me look up this name and see if it's in the system? Or, like, I guess they didn't have a system. I don't know. Yeah. That's insane to me. Very weird. So, July 13th, 1988, she then got a Texas ID card. And the whole process of her becoming Becky, then Lori... Took less than two months. What? Less than two fucking months. She's like, I could do this quick and easy. (laughs) So, April 18th, 1989, she got a Texas driver's license that said she's 19. And March 19th, 1990, she applied for a U.S. passport. I wonder if she ever got that baby. I have a feeling she was doing all this to, like, back up her new name and, like, be mm-hmm. like, oh, I've had a passport. I have a birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's already two levels of, like, extension away from her old identity. Mm-hmm. So, October 1st, 1990, she enrolled into the Dallas County Community College that we mentioned in the beginning of this entire episode mm-hmm. without any high school transcripts because of the GED she received. Oh, my God. So, she also knew... She could get get away with that. Right. She could just get a GED and bypass the whole high school thing. Yep. Then we're pretty much back to the start of this podcast when we discussed her life in Texas. So that was playing catch up with you guys just now. Crazy. Yeah. Stay tuned because there's more. (laughs) So photos were put through facial recognition databases and fingerprints were sent to the FBI and there was no matches, which I don't even understand. Okay, so this woman had moved around California, Nevada, Idaho, Arizona, and Texas, and yet nobody knew her full story. So she was very good at keeping her past a secret. In 2013, the Seattle Times ran a story on her and in, quote, amateur sleuths investigation into her background, and that's what, like, sparked everything. It sparked the interest in her case. Readers took off with it, and then some leads actually came in from that um, article that they did. So it was basically now with, like, web sleuths (laughs) and podcasters. Yeah. Everyone was like... They're like, wait, let, let let me do the investigative work. Yeah. So, June of 2013, the Social Security Administration investigator, Joe Valing, got a call from former nuclear physicist and forensics genealogist Colleen Fitzpatrick, who saw the story. 
In 2014, Fitzpatrick starts building a family tree of Lori using DNA that was provided. And I read that she got this DNA through, like, multiple sources, like, um, like, Match.com and, like, even, like, those types of Mm -hmm. things. Ancestry and stuff, yeah. So, in late 2015, and this is a quote from Mental Floss article, based on her own research and a DNA sample of the Ruff family that the Ruff family submitted that indicated Lori had a first cousin named Michael Cassidy, Fitzpatrick suggested Velling contact the Cassidy family in Philadelphia. So they found somebody that was associated um, to her past, and that was Michael Cassidy. Mm-hmm. And I had read that the Ruff family had actually submitted her daughter's DNA. Mm-hmm. So what, as she got older, if she wanted to try to learn more about her mother or her family tree, she could. That's so sweet. Yeah. And then, on top of that, just want to point out, uh, Joe Velling and Colleen Fitzpatrick, they connected about this in 2013, and it's now late 2015. It took so much time for her to do certain things. It's not like she was sitting back all these years doing nothing. It took her a lot of time to piece things together. Yeah, and she said she, like, basically once it was all together... She put all the stuff out there, put everything that she could, and then she said it was basically a waiting game until mm-hmm. something came up. Yeah, and even this uh, Michael Cassidy that came up, she's mm-hmm. like, there's thousands of Michael Cassidys out there. How do I know which one it is? So then she had to narrow it down even more. Yeah. So it was a fucking process. It was a process. I forget exactly how she said she narrowed it down to the Michael Cassidy that they were looking for. Oh, Whenever she submitted the DNA, it went back to multiple, like, like very far relatives of her, relatives, yeah. and they were able to narrow the Cass- Michael Cassidy down Like, to that him. Michael Cassidy then came up connected to, to yeah. a distant one. Yeah, a and they were relative. able to narrow it down, yeah. which is so cool. Yeah. So, Fitzpatrick used DNA analysis from Lori's daughter, which we had mentioned, to trace Lori, a.k.a. Kimberly's, identity back to a family in Pennsylvania. So, in March of 2016, Belling traveled to Philadelphia and showed a driver's license photo to a member of the Cassidy family. Basically, he described it as he showed up to this house, like, he was like, what am I even going to say? Like, mm-hmm. I know this person, but she she's not who she said she is, but she might know you, but now she's dead. He's like, I had no idea what I was going to say when I showed up here. And he said he started talking and basically, it was getting nowhere. Yeah, like, his story was, yeah. like, made, making him just sound like a fucking weirdo. <laughs> and they were like, what? And it, all of a sudden, he's like, okay, like, he pulled out the driver's license picture, and they said, quote, my God, that's Kimberly. Mm. Yeah. He, Belling said, quote, the hair on the back of my neck stood up when I realized she knew who this person was. Oh, my God. Look, I have, like, goosebumps. I know. Look at my arms. Oh, my God. <laughs> Your goosebumps are huge. <laughs> Your goosebumps are showing. My goosebumps have goosebumps. <laughs> I just think that's so crazy. He was probably, like, he's, he's done this research for years and years and years. He finally shows a picture to somebody, and they're like, oh, my God. Yeah. I know who this is. Yeah. And that's they were probably insane. like, what the fuck? Like, like, somebody just knocked on my door. Yeah. And all of this behind the scenes has been going on for years. <sighs> okay. So. Riveting. Diving into the actual identification now. Yeah. Since they just said, my God, that's Kimberly. <laughs> Six years had passed before they found her true identity. Six years. Yeah. March 2016, further DNA tests done were done to confirm this match. And September 2016, the mystery was officially solved because they then confirmed that her real name was Kimberly Maria McLean. And Lori Ruff's name is removed from the federal government's database for missing and unidentified persons. Wow. Namus.com. She actually was born October 16th, 1968, in Philadelphia, PA. So, her whole July birthday was also made up, which... I read somewhere, too, that, like, over the years of her having to go past her actual birthday and pretend like nothing had happened, like, how hard... I mean, a birthday is a birthday. Like, you have to... Like, that had to have put some kind of weight on her. Like, on October 16th every year, she was probably, like... Okay, normal day. Yeah. Silently. Yeah, and like she couldn't. I don't know, that's crazy. Yeah. So, Kimberly, Lori, aka Kimberly, 
was the daughter of Deanne Cassidy and James McLean. Deanne was a stay-at-home mom, and James, as we mentioned, was a carpenter and volunteer firefighter. I think we mentioned that in the beginning. Yeah, just the as way the beginning. Just little stuff that we <laughs> knew. Yeah, about yeah. her. She grew up in a Philadelphia suburb with what was explained to be a great childhood. There was a hand-built playhouse in the backyard, rides on fire engines, vacations and day trips, family dinners every night, and she also had a sister. This family's daughter had disappeared in 1986 when she was 17. Some articles said 18, so either or. They thought she ran away because she didn't like her new stepdad, Robert Becker, and when her stepdad came into the picture, he moved them to Wincote, PA, and Kimberly attended Bishop McDevitt High School. Deanne's brother, also uh, Kimberly's uncle, also said that Kimberly began began to become very angry after her mother and father separated in the 1980s. She took an extreme... Like, <laughs> she was like, I'm pissed about your divorce. I'm I'm gonna run away forever yeah, and change and my name. no fucking way I'm gonna like my new stepdad. I wondered when I read the part about her high school, like, if any of her high school friends were like, has anyone heard about Kimberly lately? <laughs> like, where is she? She hasn't come to any reunions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, they, she had to have somebody that, like, wondered about where she was. Well, her family was all along. Yeah. The move in the new school was just too much for Kimberly, and in 1986, she moved to King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, about 30 minutes from where her family had been living at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, then one day, she told her mom she was leaving for good, and just like that, she was gone. There are two years of her life completely unaccounted for because, as we said, she took off in 1986 and Mm -hmm. she didn't get that false identity until 1988. So, what happened in those two years is still completely unknown. And this is all alleged, but a lot of people theorize that she may have been in the military. She, that's where she got, like, the knowledge of how to do these things. She may have um, gotten into, like, trouble and she was running from something mm-hmm. or somebody and changed her identity basically to get away from it. I don't know. Nobody knows but These her. These are all theories. Yeah. Nobody knows but her. But, like, that is, that's just crazy. That's insane. It kind of reminds me of that one Unsolved Mysteries episode where there was that random woman. It's on the new Netflix series mm-hmm. one. And there was that random woman that was found shot in a hotel. Mm-hmm under like a false identity and mm. the only thing they could track back was a random town little town in belgium and they had no idea who this woman was wow yeah actually i wanted to mention another netflix thing it's a show and it's um, it's honestly pretty cheesy but <laughs> it reminded me of this case so much it's called the imposters and basically just a little synopsis it's these people that it's their job to go they work as like a team it's three people they go Basically, the girl gets married. She finds a husband, gets married to him just to rob him of everything, and then they leave. Oh, my God. After she, like, does her job and, like, gets married to him, takes all of his money and everything, like, gets into his accounts, takes everything and leaves and goes to the next job. Oh, my God. Kind she of changes like her Sawyer identity from loss. Yeah. Changes her identity completely, and the two people she works with, like, one of the, like, one family that she's in... The one person she works with is, like, um, an uncle of hers. And the other person she works with is, like, a maid in the area of somebody's house. And they just do all these things and, like, get into these people's lives and work together to get them married. And then they leave. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. But it reminded me of this, not to that extent, but I was like, oh, my God, she could be in The Imposters. Well, that (laughs) Unsolved Mystery episode, they were thinking this woman was, like, a secret agent. Yeah. Or and something. I'm sure that's probably one of the, the, the theories, theories yeah. of her. Like, she was a spy or something that she had to, I don't know, hide wow. her, like, what did she do in those two years? Right. Like, where was this woman? Yeah. So, as always, we try to end with something happy. And besides her family knowing what happened to her and that her identity is known, obviously, that's happy. Mm-hmm. Lori or Kimberly and Blake's daughter now have a bunch of new family on the East Coast, including her new set of grandparents. Oh, that makes me so happy. The two families have remained connected since. I love that 
that was what came out of it, and they weren't just like, okay, like, I didn't know that she had a family. We're never talking to them. The sad thing is it could have been that way all along with Lori in the picture, or Kimberly, I'm sorry, in the picture. Yeah. And I want to know why. I know. And she that's did all this and went to all these extremes that and she nobody did. nobody will ever know, and I think that's, like, the craziest part about this mystery is, like, you literally have no idea what's going on in her mind. Not even her husband knew. Yeah. No one did. Yeah. But the fact, too, that if it was all caused by a mental illness, Mm -hmm. that she kept, was able to keep it all to herself. I think that's probably what escalated it. She had to keep to herself all of these secrets, these birthdays when she moved, and maybe a lot more that nobody knows about that she just kept to herself. Like where the hell she was those two years. Yeah, I want to know that, too. Like, how does nobody have any account for her of those two years? If it is mental illness, I feel so sorry for her and that she couldn't get the proper help to just be living her life with her family right now and her real family. Yeah. Like, her, her actual parents. Yeah. But at the same time, if one of those theories is correct and she was an agent or she learned this stuff in the military and then just decided to be, like, be a person who steals identities and whatever yeah like what was her reasoning it's just insane there's so many things to think about and then you're like what pushed her over the edge of leaving in the first place at 17 years old or 18 depending on the article yeah unless that's when like her mental illness started yeah right like was it the mental illness back then Mm -hmm. or was it really like her living situation like something more than we know (sighs) crazy yeah one of the theories too was like did she join a cult? Mm-hmm. Did this happen? Did this happen? Just, it's No so one much... will literally ever know. Yeah. Unless nope. somebody comes forward and says, I actually know. Oh my god, I remember her. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know. There has to be someone out there who those two years, who, like, met her during those two years she was missing, who maybe even knew her as a completely different third name, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Someone... She could not have been but just... I will say that, like, her appearance, just looking at the IDs, changed so much, I feel like, over the years. Really? I feel yeah. like she... Her face I mean, her so facial structure same, looked the same, the same but yeah. I feel like she, her, like, herself... Her hair and Her stuff. hair yeah. and, like, her actual, like, I don't know, just her body, I guess, The changed. shape of her face. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, that's it. Yeah. We hoped you guys liked a little bit of mystery. Very spooky very strange yeah do you have anything else so, to add? i don't think so i think that about sums it up besides me being a little mold of jello <laughs> and, and we're back to the jello <laughs> right back from where we started <laughs> everything comes full circle <laughs> so actually we are gonna end this episode since it was a little short with a listener story Two weeks in a row. Who are we? (laughs) I know, crazy. (laughs) So the person that is going to be talking today is my best friend that I've had since kindergarten. Her name is Sydney, and I'm really excited to hear her story. I can't wait to hear what she has to say. Me too. Let's get into it. Here's Sid. Hi, Sydney. Hey, guys. What's up? Hey, Sid. We're so excited to have you on to tell your listener story. I gave you a little introduction. You didn't hear that part, but I said you were my best friend. Oh, well, obviously. (laughs) And I said I can't wait to hear what you have in store for us. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, Kelsey grew up with me since I was four or five, so, like, she kind of knows. We always had, like, weird stuff happen to us as kids, and, like, we always liked, like, ghost stories, and, like, we would, like, purposely watch scary movies to scare ourselves. I don't really know why. Like, yeah. all the time. That's the norm. I did that, too. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, then we would, like, stay up and, like, not sleep for, like, a month. Yeah. We were, like, I swear, like, one time, we're, like, do you want to go see a scary movie and not sleep all night? Like, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Me. Um, yeah. It's, like, whatever. So, like, it started, like, I don't know, my mom told me when I, in Kelsey when I don't even know how old I was I might have been like 12 or 13 because we had like told my mom that like weird stuff was like happening to us we we're like is this like normal and she was like well whenever you were about like two or three you came down from um the your, your bedroom one morning after sleeping all night and you said 
mom, who is that pretty woman that sits at the edge of my bed every night and tells me good night and, and, and talks to me and tells me stories? Oh my God. My mom's like, my mom's like, um, what does she look like? And I was like, well, she's really pretty. She wears really pretty lipstick and she has long red fingernails and she's always smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I don't like sitting here right now. I can't like remember ever like that moment, but I, I do remember as a kid, like I always like was like weird. Like I would like sit and talk like in the corner. Like I'd look, look at something and talk. <laughs> That's okay. So let me mom, just say too, that when she, I didn't mean to interrupt, but when she told me yeah. this for the first time and I came over to our house, I was fucking terrified. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, because we slept over in her bedroom and I was like, Oh my God, this, this woman is going to come while I'm here. With a red fingernail. With a red fingernail. <laughs> right. So you're like, who, so like, who's the red woman? So, uh, <laughs> My mom, my mom's mom passed away and she was 49 and I wasn't born yet. My sister was only one, so I wasn't born yet. So I'd never met her. Mm-hmm. So I'm two or three years old. I don't know like what my deceased grandmother looks like at that right. point. You know what yeah. I mean? So my mom like showed me a picture and she's like, is this her? I'm like, yeah, she looks just like that. So <gasps> my mom was like, my mom was like taken back because like, I don't know, my mom says that she can see ghosts and everything, like, she worked in hospice, and, like, she says, says that she sees patients sometimes with her and whatever, wow. and she was, like, so taken back, she was, like, I can't believe, like, grandma's, like, grandma's with you, like, my mom says that she's my guardian angel. I believe um, it wholeheartedly, and, like, if you though. believe in that kind of stuff, like, cool, I mean, I do, like, I, yeah, I your just, mom must have passed the gift to you. She must have. <laughs> yeah, it freaks me out a little bit, um, it's kind of, <laughs> feel nervous so I kind of like try to not think about it do you remember when we were younger we used to try to like manifest seeing ghosts dude I know I thought you messed with the Ouija board and my dad's like no no. I'm bringing a Ouija board in the house yeah no not a good idea yeah and that so then the most the most recent one it was actually a while ago it was a senior in high school so it's probably about seven years ago now um I was, it was the end of summer, we were about to start my like, senior years, like the end of August, and my sister had just gone back to her sophomore year of Robert Morris, and I was sitting in my living room, my mom was across the street with the neighbor, and so was um, my brother, so nobody was home, and I heard this, like, we don't have, we didn't have a landline in the house at that time, we got rid of it, I heard this, like, old-time phone ringing, like, <gasps> I can't even describe it. Like, I literally thought that somebody had an alarm set on their phone because it sounded like an old, an old time phone. And I'm like, what the hell is that? So like, I'm like, I don't know what I was doing. I was probably like on my computer or like on my laptop or like on my, like reading a book or something weird. Mm-hmm. And I look up, like, like I didn't have a TV or on or anything. And I'm like, what the hell is that? It kept going. And like, I sat there in silence and then it finally stopped. Oh and I was, God. like, my heart was racing, like, because, you know, I was, like, oh, my God, like, what is it? I was, like, is someone breaking in? Is someone fucking with me? Like, <laughs> I, 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 was, I thought it was her brother maybe mess with me, like, I don't know. You know what would be so interesting to know, though, is, like, if your house, didn't your house have that phone in the basement, though? I was just going to say, were there actually any old phones that were around that, that would have been disconnected to somehow be ringing, or was there really yeah. nothing there? No, because the only one, there was a landline in my um, dining room. Kelsey, remember that, like, beige phone? Yes, yes. It was there, but my dad removed it. Like, that was the only uh, one in the house. We had, like, a white one that was, like, it was newer. Like, you could plug it in. We had it on our bar in the basement, but there was never, like, one that was actually, like, connected to the house. Oh, that's the one I remember downstairs in the basement then. Yeah, that's yeah. really fucking frightening. You were the only one home? Yeah. And oh my the, so my basement, it's, like, it, it's... It, it was finished, and there was, like, a, a door in the laundry room that led to the garage, and the garage door was shut, the laundry room door was shut, like, all the doors were closed, and we only have glass block window down there, so no windows were opened. So after I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my God, like my heart's racing, I'm, like, freaking out. Like, I literally have a weird feeling. All of a sudden, this I heard a big crash downstairs. Oh, God. Like, no fucking way. <laughs> I literally ran out my front door. I was like, no. <laughs> I ran out my front door. I said, Mom, I said, somebody is in the house. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I swear to God, there's someone in the house. I'm terrified. So her and my brother come back over, and we get a baseball bat out of the shed. <laughs> it's like a metal baseball bat. Because my dad's not home. He's working. So, like, in my mom's 4'10", like, what's she going to do with a metal baseball bat? Oh, my God, she's so cute. Right? So... 
So she's walking around, like she goes upstairs, she looks in all the closets, and she goes downstairs last, and she walks down the steps, and I hear her go, <gasps> and I'm like, what is it? And like, I don't know, like, I don't know what I was expecting to see, but I walk downstairs, and there's like a, um, it's, I don't want to call, it's kind of like a closet, but it had all kinds of scrapbooking things in it, like, we kind of used it as like, like a toy like closet, a okay, kind of like a toy closet, kind of stuff, like, just like, yeah, like scrapbooking stuff. And there was a whole, um, like, Tupperware container of photos that my mom had that she needed a scrapbook for us. So, and this kind of goes back. I told you my sister was about her start, to start her sophomore year at Robert Morris in college. Mm-hmm. There was only pictures on the floor laid out of Caitlin. Oh, my God. The door was open, and pictures were only on the floor of Caitlin. Oh, my God. That's, That's so strange. She got, she got into a car accident up at Robert Morris, and she like went through this whole crazy thing that it anyways she had to come back home from school and like she had to like leave rmu because like she was having like a hard time with something so it was like so bizarre wait i don't remember that happening with it being the Mm -hmm. pictures and then her accident i don't remember that Mm -hmm. oh my god she got into the car accident on the swickley bridge in that green chevy cavalier wow was this before or after the pictures were laid on the floor of her two weeks after (gasps) Oh, my God. It was weird. Like, it was almost like something trying to say, like, uh, like, okay. look out I'm just for spe- her. I'm speculating here, but, like, that's how <laughs> I see it now. Like, when I look back, I'm like, it was almost like, it was like, I don't know who or what or something was just trying to be like, hey, like, Caitlin, like, she's going to need help. Like, keep an eye on her or something. Yeah. Like, wow. I've never told Caitlin that. So You like, haven't? Just, like, you still haven't? <laughs> no. Oh my god, that would freak her out. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should. Yeah, because so, I don't know, like, she just ended up having a really hard time that year, like, personally with some things, and yeah. she left RMU and finished school at CCAC, but, like, it's just so weird, like... But clearly that, someone was, like, looking out for her, you know? Yeah. Well, because it was weird, Bryn, like, to have just, just pictures of Caitlin, like... Yeah. It's me, my brother. Like, my mom had so many pictures of, like, us and our friends growing up. Like, it was just so bizarre. And, like, what would have blown, like, the windows, we don't have windows down there. Yeah, no. For the longest time, my dad's like, it was the wind. I'm like, Dad. That's typical dad. That just blew out pictures of Caitlin. The wind. But, like, like, and, like, the way that door closed, like, there's no way. Like, you have to pull it open because sometimes it's stuck. Yeah, I remember. remember With the paneling that was on there before? Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. I don't know. It's After that, I, like, got so freaked out. I told myself, I'm like, I would literally sit up at night. I'm like, if there are any ghosts, please, I don't want to talk to you. Just let me move, please. Because I, like, get so nervous. Like, I still wake up. Anytime I wake up in the middle of the night, it's always at 333. Like, it's, it's, if I look at my, if I wake up in the middle of the night, when I check my phone, it always says 333. You That's should look up that number. angel number. Yeah, yeah, see what that angel number means. Look it up. I don't want to freak myself out because <laughs> I get so nervous. But yeah, I remember I you telling me when we were younger that I don't even know if you remember. I haven't told you, but you oh, remember uh, we were sleeping. Her, so her room was set up and it was two twin beds and we would have sleepovers in there. And you sat up the next morning and you were like, I felt like somebody was sitting at the edge of the bed. Like I felt like a pressure at the bottom of the bed, like an indent, like somebody was there in the middle of the night. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's bizarre. I, it was a lot when I was in, when I was, like, from 12 to, like, 16, 17, like, in those years. Yeah. It was a yeah. lot of, like, very, like, bizarre things that made me super, like, I didn't sleep well. Like, just always weird stuff that happened. And, like, I got to the point where it terrified me so much. And I don't know if it was, like, self-induced mentally that I was, like, so anxious about it or if something was, like, going on. Yeah. But um, I, like, told myself, I'm like, I can't, I can't, like, I don't want to. It freaked me out too much. And I know, Bryn, like, I know you have, like, a gift, I mm-hmm. just call it, right? Is that what you call it? Yeah. Like, connection with spirit. Does that does that freak you out at all? It used to, but then I've kind of just accepted it and, and embraced it. And my medium that I go to has helped me to do that and actually, like, has inspired me to want to, to be, like, yeah. as great as she is with it. So she's mm-hmm. been kind of my mentor, and you can ask Kelsey, like, it used to terrify me. I would just, as soon as something would start happening, I would just shut down. She'd be like, nope, mm-hmm. I actually have video proof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
more recently, I've been embracing it and I've been less afraid. Like, the more you embrace it, the less scary it is. It's impressive. I think that you turned it off because you were so scared about it and it hasn't come back. Even talking about it, I'm like, oh, I'm getting goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) You should embrace it little by little. You should. You You should should. see our medium. (laughs) She's the best. She's the best of the best. That would be awesome. We should just definitely do that then. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for telling your story. That was the end of it, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, thank I, you. I you have a gift. You need to sh- turn it back on. Just like a little <sighs> flip of a switch. Yeah. I think you should. Well, thank you so much. And we will definitely have you on again to talk about more creepy yeah. stories. And look up yeah. angel number 333 because it obviously I means something to. to you. <laughs> I'm off the phone with you. That's exactly what I'm going to do. All right. Please do. <laughs> Sounds right. good. We'll talk to you later. Bye, Sid. Bye. Thanks so Bye, much. Guys. See ya. Thank you. Bye. And that is the end of this week's episode. Yes. We hope you enjoyed. If you want to be a future listener or tell a future listener story, let us know. Yep. As mentioned, you can always DM us, email us. And it can be anonymous. You don't have to talk. Yeah. Just submit, submit. Submit, submit, submit. (laughs) Bye. Till next time. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook